0: Welcome to the DNA show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D
1: is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh man, nerds. Cause oh, yeah. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well good, then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and
0: nerds. Yeah, we're going to make
1: that work. All right, let's roll.
0: Batman! Exactly. We are going to talk about Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 3. Volume 3 already? I know, man. It seems just like yesterday, uh, Volume 1 and 2 came out. Now, this is a crossover that DC did with IDW because IDW holds the licenses for Batman, or not Batman, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the first volume came out in 2016, I believe. And then a, a year later they did volume two and they originally came out as six issue limited series. And then of course, a hardcover, then a soft cover, And I think volume one even came out with like a definitive edition or something which has some extra stuff in it. Not story pages, but just behind the scenes sketches and stuff from the artist, Freddie Williams. Um, So Volume 3, honestly, I never read any of these until I met Freddie at a convention back in February. It was the last con I did in Texas. I was sitting next to Freddie Williams, and on a previous podcast, I talked about uh, Volume 1, and I think I touched on Volume 2. Anyhow, so I met Freddie back then, and he had him at his table, and, you know, he was kind enough to hook me up with uh, uh, Volume 1. And I loved it. You know, just the team-up of Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, two, like, poor opposite things, you know?
1: Well, that's just it. I was going to say, when they first came out, I... So, I'm more of a Marvel guy, sure. um, however, you know, I do like Batman, uh, Green Lantern on the comic book side is one of my favorites in DC, um, and of course, Shazam. Wow, look at
0: you throwing that subtle, if you didn't catch it, that was Dennis's subtle shade at the Green Lantern movie, because he said, and Green Lantern on the comic side, which right there tells you someone is
1: disrespecting my man Ryan Reynolds no, Green Lantern lo- I love Ryan Reynolds he's one of my favorites and you I love the Green Lantern I hated that movie you with son a- of a I fan. actually canceled my subscription to Green Lantern in the comic books after that movie that's how they much I just interact. like doesn't they matter I was so upset all. I was so upset. Dude, I'm telling Dance. you, I walked back in after that movie, and the first half of the movie I thought was fine, because now we're getting off track a little bit. That's The okay. first half of the movie was, I thought, fine, it was the intro, Carol, oh, I like that. It was very well done. It was very well done. The moment you started getting parallax, and the moment the, the villains were introduced, they were the worst in just about any. I mean, we're talking Superman 4 bad here.
0: Okay, come on. No, I take umbrage You that. should
1: not take umbrage. Oh, come it was on. was
0: that. I can honestly say, we will get back to Batman Teenage Mutant. I had no idea this was going to take this turn. I have got to say that, one, it's a damn good thing there's three feet of table separating us. And my arms aren't that long. (laughs) Minor. And I don't want to whack off those headphones (laughs) off your head. But, dude, I can say I do love Ryan Reynolds. I love Green Lantern. Stole by the book. Was the movie an A-plus movie? Not at all. In fact, let's grade it. CGC grading on Green Lantern movie. Dennis, I hate to hear it, but what what do you give it? Oh, boy. Here, I have to grade it in two.
1: Oh.
0: First half of the
1: movie, no, I, I, yeah, no, I give an 8.0. No. And then the second half of the movie, a 1.5. Okay, so that's easy. That,
0: that's about up, a five. Add it up. That's a 9.5. Divided by two is 4.75. So it's about a five. It's about a five. Okay, so you're mid-range on it. I was actually going to say I give it probably a 6.5 to a seven. So we're not that far off. Yes. Because I actually agree. Like, the first half of the movie, I really enjoyed it. I liked how he got the ring. I liked the Ab and Sir stuff. I even I, – I liked Hector Hammond, you know. Mm. I didn't mind him. I mm. thought the casting was okay. I didn't mind – I did not mind him. I did mind – you know, Parallax – I. <laughs> I just think for the first Green Lantern movie, out of the gate, they should have rolled straight up with Sinestro.
1: That I'm telling you, that parallax was about the same as the Fantastic Four Silver Surfer 2's Galactus. That's it, Oh it, my god, so wh- we agree, because... I, when you when you were talking about
0: Parallax, the first thing that came to mind was Smoke Monster Galactus yep, at the end,
1: which I also hated because that killed. Because I like Fantastic
0: Four. Rise I thought the, of the first Silver one Surfer. was
1: great. Second one, the Silver Surfer. Again, I didn't hate it, but I was not fond of it. It just wasn't a great movie. And then when Galactus showed up, I vomited a little. But that was really at the total. End. It was. So. It was. So like I said, it, it was okay. But Green Lantern. But no, you're I, not. Green I Lantern. I so Parallax. hated the second half of the movie. It tainted the entire movie for me, and I was so upset. I walked in the comic shop and I said, "Cancel all my Green Lantern stuff." Oh they, they thought I was joking. I'm like, "No, I am that upset. I hated it that much." There's a reason why Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool went and shot himself for reading the Green oh. Lantern script, and I, I would be like, "Dude, I'm there with you." Did you? Uh so,
0: I know what came out after that. Did you pick up Green Lantern Star Trek
1: crossover comic? Yeah, it was actually the one and only Green Lantern I picked up after there. Only because Star Trek... Okay, so again, when that <laughs> came out, I was like, nope, I'm not even going to pick it up with Star Trek. And then, of course, you know me, I had to flip through it. And I was like, oh, darn, that Star Trek looks pretty good. It was good. I okay, I'll have to pick it up and read it. I enjoyed it. But I was like, is that enough to bring me back into Green Lantern? Nope. Nope. That movie still tainted it, and so I have harsh. not picked him up since. So harsh. Okay, what about, now that I see that you cancel
0: comics after a bad movie, I assume you don't get X-Men anymore after Dark Phoenix. Because, I
1: mean, how could you? Okay, Dark now, Phoenix. Now you're just trying to cut me off at the kneecaps. Dark, Dark Phoenix. So there's exceptions to what, every rule. What, do you, I, what do you rate Dark Phoenix? That can't be higher than a five. Ah, uh, yeah it's right about a five wow so you don't cancel x-men though i nope. see where you roll you should it's my favorite character of all time okay. and it wasn't a bad actress or stuff it was just the same lousy plot that they did in x-men 3 and literally, it was the same, right? Oh, don't hold on. All right. All right. This, all this right. is, a, Back, this is okay. a whole separate topic ta- ta- for another time. Tangent over. Batman, Batman, Batman Turtles. Turtles. So what I was saying was. Go ahead. Batman and Turtles. When that came out, I looked at it kind of like Green Lantern, Star Trek. I'm like, yeah, these have no business together. I really have no interest in it. And I was like, nope. And then I picked it up and I started flipping through it. And I'm like, huh, this is really kind of an interesting take. So I collected the entire first series, and it was incredibly well done. It was. So
0: I was late to the game. I did buy the. I bought the first issue of the very first series back in two thousand sixteen when it came out because it was a number one. I liked the art. I read it, and then I kind of was like, "Oh, you know what? I'd rather read this in one solid chunk." And then I kind of just it, it. I don't know stuff going on. Forgot about it, and then you know, fast forward to last February. A few months back, I meet Freddie. He hooks me up. I like it. This was the nice part about waiting was I liked it and I was able to go and pick up volume two because it was already out right away. And then I read that and I'm like, sweet, volume three. And then I'm like, oh, literally, I think like the last issue of volume three just came out towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, something like that. In the fall of last year, actually, I think it was, and I saw that the hardcover collection wasn't due out for another month and a half. So I had to wait. Came out. I got it. I really enjoyed it. Same creative team. It was written by James the Fourth, drawn by Freddie Williams II, colored by Jeremy Calwell. So I love that because I love consistency through a series like this. So the consistency was there at the creative team. The artwork I thought was quite good. The, the storytelling was captivating. Oh, the artwork, you know, Freddie's art's really cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's really unique. He's doing these nice gray washes, gray tone washes. So if you ever look at their originals, which you can see some stuff like that in the back of each collection. They show some of the pages. You'll see see the nice gray tone washes he's putting down. His storytelling's really cool. It, it just to me it harkens back to like um just the you know, uh, I guess like around the '90s. You know, it's 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 big stuff in your face, really nice action. You know, just really good storytelling. His his panel flow. This is an artsy thing, since I'm an artist. But his flow from panel to panel to take you through the page is really well done. Uh, volume three, the basic story is it's a multiverse. So it it starts off where Batman. And the Turtles are on the same world. So the other stories, they crossed over. So Batman came to their world. You know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles world. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossed over to his world. And Gotham. Well, this story just starts off where they're all in the same world. And what happened was there's this villain named Krang who sees one of the DC Universe's most uh, dangerous technologies and part of a plan to combine the multiverse and fuse it all together. So, you know, Batman, Batman's origin in this world is he's with his parents and he's got this little bowl and it has these baby turtles in the bowl and his parents get shot, you know, like they do. But, you know, little Bruce in the, in the chaos spill you know falls to the ground and the, the little turtles spill into the sewer ways and then there's this chemical that interacts with them and that's how they grow up and then instead of having alfred the butler batman's raised by um oh my god i'm drawing a blank splinters yeah splinter yep the uh rat yep. uh, character and you know he. You know, he becomes Batman. The turtles become the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they fight crime. And but then they, you know, they realize something's not right. And you see the other, and this is what I thought was really cool: seeing Freddy's different versions of Batman throughout the book. So he drew like the 1966 Batman costume you know the tip ball or the well basically the costume from the 70s and 80s with the yellow oval and right. gray costume with the blue cape and blue boots which for you know, for us old folks you know that that's that, classic, that is classic. Yeah. it really is so he drew that version of batman and then what i also thought was really cool is they introduced the original teenage mutant ninja turtles and instead of Freddie drawing his take of the original turtles kevin eastman the original creator, one of the original creators of the Turtles, drew those versions of the Turtles on the pages. So, and I love seeing that. I, I love seeing books where it's kind of like, you know, this artist that is known for this character, like back in the in the early days of Image with Savage Dragon, there's a crossover with Savage Dragon and Megaton Man. And Megaton Man... Was a character from the 80s created by Don Simpson, who was a takeoff on basically, you know, Superman, but with a humorous bent. So he was drawn really out of proportion with, you know, <laughs> tiny waist, huge muscular guy, kind of a doofish type character, you know, heart of gold, of course, Megaton Man. So Eric Larson team Savage Dragon up with Megaton Man in this one shot, and this is before computers and stuff. So Eric laid out the whole book, and drew his Savage Dragon characters, and left space for the Megaton characters, and then mailed the pages to Don to draw in Megaton Man and his cast of characters, and Don would mail them back, and it was just a great collaboration. So that really, this third volume of Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has that feel with Kevin Eastman stepping in to draw his Turtles. That's awesome. And, and they're in black and white too, which I thought was so cool. So like the whole books in color, but when his when Kevin Eastman's turtles come into the story from that universe, they're in black and white, gray tone, yep. cuz that's how the turtles were back in the 80s. So it's just a it's just a really fun story of how they have a certain amount of time to separate the worlds and get them back to normal. So Batman's back and basically the DC universe and the Turtles are back in their universe, and everything is basically put right.
1: Right. So these aren't just (laughs) one-off stories. It's it's basically a trilogy. Yeah. You know, the first one was, there's a reason why it was set there. The second one, Gotham, the reason it was set there. And then this one. And you think it pulled it off? Oh, it pulled it off. Fantastic. And I'm assuming at some point
0: DC, I mean, I think they're leaving money on the table if they don't do this, because I'd buy it. If I was DC, I would do the ultimate version <coughs> reprint of all three volumes collected together in one big book. So that's uh, 18 issues of comics, one big book. But I would also print it oversize. So instead of normal comic size, which is roughly seven by ten, I, or six and three quarters by ten, I'd print it. You know, a nice eight by twelve. So it's oversize. I, I would chock full the back of it full of extras. Um, I what? know in the definitive collection of the first volume of Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, after the first six issue, after the six issues in the back, they did show the whole first issue in black and white of Freddy's art. Hell, in a definitive collection, I'd have the first eighteen issues up front, and then I'd have them reprinted in the back all in black and white just to showcase. Uh, Freddie's art because of all the grey tones and stuff he did
1: so look kind of like an oversized omnibus oh yeah yeah uh,
0: yeah I, I, if that doesn't come out from DC next year I just think they're leaving money on the table because I think it would be such a great package and you know you got guys like me who are so into the art I'd buy it just yeah. to have on my shelf next to the first three volumes
1: oh so. awesome so what would you give it for a rating oh uh, this I'd go
0: with probably a eight straight- up eight. 8.2, yeah. maybe. You know, if you're a fan of Batman, you're going to love it. If you're a fan of the Turtles, you're definitely going to love it. Uh, you know, so many different artists have drawn each one of these iconic uh, characters. You know, Freddy definitely has a unique style. He puts his stamp on Batman. You look at it, you're like, that's a Freddy Williams Batman uh, he definitely does a version of the turtles that I really, really enjoy. I mean, I've seen other artists draw the turtles at IDW, and I think they're cool. They're a little more cartoony. Freddy's are a little more grounded, as grounded as it can be for the you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And um, uh, you know, I think writing wise and story wise, it's just really good, fun, and that's what I look for in comics: just really good, fun comics. They're not yep. going to. It's not. You know, I read. Not a, not to go off on a tangent, but I read a graphic novel called uh, The Green River Killer. If I remember correctly, came out over ten years ago. And The Green River Killer is about a serial killer. <laughs> and in you know a real light, it's a real story about a serial killer and how he was caught. I love stuff like that too. I wouldn't necessarily that was fun and light. Say that's fun and lighthearted. Yep. Um <laughs> but this is.
1: So oh, good. I would definitely Everybody, uh, give this a read. Re- give it a read, I would say. Well, Andy called me up uh, the other week and he goes, hey, all right, just watch this really good movie. Now, normally we like to keep up on new movies and, you know, we, we, we go to the, the new releases and stuff, but with the way things are right now, there are no re- new releases. So, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck sometimes going, hey, this came out, this came out. Well, he called up, he goes, sleepless. I'm like, what about it? Did you like it? I'm like, I haven't seen it. Did you even know what it was? I just watched it. Vaguely, once you said that it was Jamie Foxx, I'm like, oh, kind of remember. Never saw it. Don't know much about it. And that's what, you know, the thing that was, so
0: I was just going through Netflix. And I see Sleepless. And I see Jamie Foxx. And nothing, no bells are going off or anything. So I watched the trailer, and I'm like, this looks really cool. Why didn't I I see this in a theater? Because I it's kind of bad boys i'm a, boys-ish I'm a without, movie guy yeah. yeah and then i see it came out in 2017 so i'm assuming whenever it came out i think it was in the fall i just missed it because uh, there's just because you know straight up i go to probably one movie a week so i
1: probably just
0: missed it it just
1: fell it through the cracks it n- never hit the radar So he goes, I just finished watching it. You need to watch it. We're going to have to put this on the podcast. I'm like, okay. So of course I did. Sat down and watched it. I was like, huh, wow. Even my wife sat down. She goes, what's this? I said, sleepless. Andy says, we need to watch it. What, and right then,
0: she knows. Yeah. We need to watch it. She's like, oh, let me get the popcorn, Dennis. Or... It's not one of your reviews, it's Andy's, and I take that much more seriously. Or she goes
1: and grabs, grabs your crochet needles and says, well, it's time to crochet. <laughs> it's time to, time to get back to work with that blanket. Yeah, which she did. But she did watch it, and... Um, you know, considering we had just watched uh, you know the bad boys not too long ago, all three movies and stuff. To I, I you know I sat down and watched them back to back to back, and I was like, okay, this ought to be kind of fun. It wound up being a really decent movie, but as soon as it started up, I'm like, oh, Jamie Foxx, love Jamie Fox. Um, and then I saw Dermot uh, Mulroney, and I was like, oh, I'm watching Shameless right now. My it's one my wife and her sister. Yeah. That's one of the ones they want, So you know I'm not. Finished with it so i was like oh wow i just literally saw him on there he's in shameless yeah he plays um the girlfriend uh the boyfriend um who was actually
0: he's not from season one of shameless oh no no oh
1: okay i think it's like season six yeah so and then i was like oh and then his wife's gabrielle union and i was like oh bring it on and i was like oh wow so i'm like there's a lot of really cool little known fact
0: did you know before Hugh Jackman was cast as Wolverine, they were looking at uh Mulroney there
1: to play Wolverine? Yeah. Ha. Huh. In fact, if I've I got remember my correctly, pondering face on right I to, now, I'll have to Google. Oh,
0: that's twenty years ago. Um, if I remember correctly, it was because of a conflict that he actually bailed, and then Hugh Jackman was cast. Ha. Huh. Maybe best bail ever. I mean, I'm. I'm I mean, they're both really good actors. It's hard to think of anybody else in that role. I know. Um, Well, the thing about Sleepless is because you know Dennis did you know compare it in a way to Bad Boys. There's no comedy in it. No, it's straight up dramatic action. That's a pretty short runtime too for uh, for movies these days. I think it's only about a straight up hour and a half, which I kind of like because to me it was to the point. It's an hour thirty five. So to me, I'll take a nice condensed, to the point, cut out all the BS, leave it on the editing room floor any day over something where I go, uh, they could have probably chopped yep. 20 minutes out of that movie. So it was concise. The basic plot is um, Jamie Foxx is a cop.
1: He, he
0: he's, he's
1: got, got ties to the underworld, he's got we ties,
0: he's got ties to the underworld. Let's just say a deal goes bad. His son gets kidnapped, and this is all stuff you find out in the trailer. His son gets kidnapped, and he's got a very small window to basically get his kid back before, you know, some shit goes down.
1: Yep. Yep. It winds up being really decent, and you you know the, the whole premise is he looks like a bad guy. He's a dirty cop. They they got two people that wind up come in from internal affairs. So IA comes in. And this is why I love watching it with my wife sometimes. She goes, oh, that guy. It's the guy from Stranger Things. Yes, it's David Harbour. Of course, he's been in a lot of little roles like that. But, yep. So he's an internal uh, affairs officer. And they're out to capture because something bad happened and she got framed for something. So the internal affairs officers are trying to find out who these bad cops are. Well, lo and behold, Jamie Foxx and his partner come in there and, yeah, it becomes pretty obvious really quickly that there's... Jamie Foxx looks like he's a really dirty cop.
0: Totally. Him and his partner. Who's
1: yep. partner, you know, another
0: another great... Uh, another good actor. It's uh, He's played by... T.I. Harris, who plays Sean, who is, like I said, Jamie Foxx's partner. Michelle Monahan's in it. She plays a cop as well. Uh, Like Dennis said, Dermot Mulroney is a casino owner, but basically doing shady things behind the scenes. Uh, David Harbour's really good in it. There's There's a couple twists in it I didn't see coming. Well, one I did. I don't know. It's from 2017. We should just dump it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's okay. If you haven't seen it. Yeah, you know, I it's on we'll Netflix. It's worth. It's definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah. So it, it goes through, and you know, they're trying to find it. And um, Spook, well, Spook McNary is actually the son of what you're assuming is the drug lord, who's who's coming. Right. And he needs he leveraged the drugs in order to. Um, finish this other deal which they were shorted on, and which was done through the casino. Well, they wound up stealing um, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, he, him, and his partner wind up stealing their drugs, which creates this entire chain of events for them going after. So that's why they kidnap his son. We need those drugs back, so you're going to get your son back, and it becomes a nightmare chase well, in the casino
0: because Michelle Monaghan's character and. Um, David Harbour, cops, the detectives, just know something's up with Jamie Foxx's character and stuff. So she finds, Jamie Foxx basically hides the drugs to go get his son and basically say, you give me my kid, I'll get you the drugs. Yep, because and he, he knows hides if it if in he the casino. Walk, yeah, in the casino, because he knows if he just walks up to the Domo Moroni's character with the drugs and says, here, she could go sideways and he could get killed his son gets killed and that's no good so he uses the drugs as leverage well he gets followed to the casino by michelle monahan's character she gets the drugs so when jamie fox goes back to get them they're gone so now jamie fox has to try and pull try and figure a way to get his son back safely she needs to figure out a way to get jamie fox
1: and she, a, a lot of
0: stuff just collides
1: she stores it in in, in, the, in the, the women's locker room basically at the casino yeah at the casino and then her partner's there and they're looking for him. security's looking for him on all the screens and he wind up winds up getting shot so he's wounded. there it's action. I mean this movie is fight, fight fight, action action, action, shoot him shoot him, shoot him with really decent dialogue and story in between. and then you start realizing pretty quickly, as as the movie's progressing you're like cuz you want to hate Jamie Foxx's character. It's so he's bad. a bad guy. Yeah. He's and you just feel like you don't want you don't like him. But then something just starts going with you like all right, something doesn't smell so, right. Here. Something's not right. There there's something more to this. And they do a good job without like just dropping in your feet and then twist. Big twist. Big twist. And it's not just with Jamie Foxx,
0: it's with a couple other characters yeah it's it's you know it's like we said it's a it's an hour 35 it's tight it's concise they trimmed out all the fat if i gave somebody an award in this movie it'd be the editor because he definitely trimmed it down to the essential stuff um you know if you're looking for something fun to watch on a friday saturday night or any night for that matter I definitely would check
1: it out. Yep. It, it's a good movie, and at the end, and we don't want to spoil what happens at the end, but they completely leave it up for a sequel. sequel yeah. It's and, totally
0: up in there. I kind of hope there is one. I, I do, too. I don't think there's hopes for it, with it already being three years later, and there's been no talk of it. And honestly, once again, when it came out in 2017, I missed it. And I'm not trying to make it say, like, I don't miss movies, but with the amount of time I go to see movies and stuff, it's usually pretty rare for me to miss something, which means it was in and out of the theater probably rather quickly.
1: All right. On our grading score,
0: what would you give it, Andy? Oh, man. You know, for an action movie, suspense, action suspense, God, I'd have to go like eight, seven, 8.7, 8.7. Making it pretty high. Yeah, because it was really good. I. Like I said, I can't believe it's taken me three years to see it.
1: I, I I gave it a a, a seven five. That's right. um Yeah, I, I thought it was a solid movie all the way through. Apparently, you and I liked it better than the critics did. What critics critics gave, give it critics gave it a thirty four. Get out of here, Rotten Tomato credit. What would I uh, Metascore and then. Um, then they wound up getting a 5.6 out of 10. For so, fans? Yeah. Really? Yeah, so I actually thought it was a much better movie than, yeah, than, than what the credits did. But maybe it was because you said it was good when you called, so I had to watch it. But no, seriously, it. I thought it was well-paced. I thought it was enjoyable. Again, just for an action film, it is absolutely worth, uh to me, checking out. I thought it was fun and entertaining. I mean, it's it's definitely no home run, but... Hey, if you've got time on a rainy day, it's on Netflix, give it a watch. Uh, I enjoyed all the uh, actors that were in it.
0: Yeah, that's very cool.
1: All right. I uh, We haven't done
0: strange tales in the news recently. And I think it's time. I think it's time, too. I, I came across this news story. So with the whole virus going around and sports not happening, you know, they're opening. Sports haven't opened up here yet, but other countries are trying to do things to open them up. And I found a pretty fun story that, in Korea, a soccer team has had to apologize for the fake uh, people they tried to populate their stands with. Because, you know, as of now, the, the slow way to get sports back is to play them with no fans. But, and I'm not quite sure I get this, and I've never played sports really on any level, so I don't know if having fans in the crowd make a huge deal... I don't, I don't know. If I was playing a game, you know, competition or whatever, I'd be so focused on the game. I don't know if I'd know the fans were there unless they were actually rooting against me because then
1: i'd be like guys i'm trying to hear stop with the booze see and i I think you would now i mean we just ran you know nascar was in here in town and for the first time i mean we ran our big race here in charlotte with with no fans now can you imagine now i know those guys are doing 200 miles an hour yeah and And, and and they're they're listening to their crew talking to them but and i know they're focused in on the road But I know you can see it. So even with racing, where you can't hear the fans nearly as much as you could in other sports, does it really have an uh, impact? I'm going to say yes, and I would like to hear from NASCAR fans to find out. But anyway, Korea. Korea had to
0: apologize because the fans... They put in the stands, obviously they're not real people. They're mannequins. They're mannequins. I'm doing which air is, quotes. <laughs> which is fine, because I guess if you look up and you see them, well, if they're going to put mannequins in a stand anywhere, you got to pump in some fan noise. Because if I'm just looking up and seeing cardboard cutouts and mannequins, give me some fan noise as well. So then at least in my peripheral vision, I'll see the fake people, but I'll hear the noise. Well, this Korean uh, soccer team apologized because
1: they loaded up their stands with Sex dolls. Yep. That is not a typo or a misprint in there. They actually did put sex dolls. uh, They put up sex dolls in the stands,
0: dressed, of course. So somebody had to dress these dolls because they ordered a bunch of sex dolls. One, you can only get sex dolls from one type of website. So that would have been my first clue if I was in charge of ordering mannequins. Two... When they all showed up, and they were all female, and they were all very attractive, and I had to dress them, and I'm like, wow, every one of these mannequins I ordered is female, and they all have pretty much the same body type, and they look pretty attractive. Meh, that's the
1: company. Let me just put the clothes on them. But the, my, my favorite part was the team blamed the air on a quote-unquote misunderstanding with the distributor huh what what kind of misunderstanding could you possibly get yeah we want fans for the stands oh so you want female dolls with unnecessarily holy thing nope we just want fans for the stands oh we've got the perfect doll. we've got you. the perfect ones they've got
0: big racks they're curvy they're pretty looking and they're always they always look like they're screaming
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and they actually, Their, their they mouths actually, are gait, so they look like they're screaming. They post pictures of them, and it's just kind of, it, it's funny. So most of them are brunette, and yeah. they put them in different poses. They dress them up in all different types of clothing, but it's mainly from their sports team. So, you well, know... The, and the- the team, and yeah, they got the little hats on and everything, so somebody took the time and dressed all these Well, the funny
0: thing, too, is they're being careful, because they also did put them in uh, the the face masks, so, you know, they don't spread the disease. Right. Because you don't want these these sex dolls spreading the disease around, and they're also, you know, socially distanced as well, so that's good, too. So at least when I'm playing the game, I can look up and see attractive
1: fans cheering me on, socially distanced. So my bigger question is, the photos are are pretty funny of it because literally there's two seats and then a doll two seats and then a doll two seats and then a doll but they're cheering you on now how did they pipe in cheering what what was the noise that they put in there or was it quiet just like what was in there you've obviously got fans was there any sound from these mannequins <laughs>
0: If they piped in the sound that these mannequins would make, it would be like,
1: and they scored. (sighs) And I think they would get pulled off of TV. And they scored again. (sighs) (sighs) Yes. The supplier did respond and say, well, these were not intended for use as sex dolls. They weren't intended for sexual use. They just have all the proper equipment for some right, things. right of course so I'm just wondering how much they paid for these dolls to put in the stands too much how much did they have to blow them up and I doubt or they're returnable did they hey, yeah and how many crates were they if they're if they're used they're definitely not returnable.
0: Yeah, this is just COVID's wrong. the last thing I'm worried about catching from a sex doll
1: yep. so. Yeah, well that's just it, there's the next question Were they used dolls? Or were they brand new? Maybe they got them cheaper because they were slightly used
0: I don't know, we'll post that We'll post up on our Facebook page so you guys can check out the article
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you kind of just have to see it and shake your head but hey to, to each their own I guess, I guess So. Well We'll, we'll post the com- uh, on our on our Facebook page. Um, you can always leave comments there or email us at Dennis and Andy Show at yahoo.com. Um, dot com. And well, until then, I guess we'll catch you next time. All right, see you next week. Until next week, grab your three D glasses, get your favorite comic books, roll them
0: up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics.
1: Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, Later, friends. friends.